Welcome to another episode with the Days Gone By podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 2. I'm your host, Matt McBrayer, and for the next two weeks, we are going to have lessons from Gary Colley. Gary Colley is the father of Glenn Colley. He has since gone on to his reward. He is, was a faithful gospel preacher, uh, preaching for several decades. He also was uh, one of my instructors at the Memphis School of Preaching during one of our summers. This recording was done in July of 2010 and was recorded at the Get Well Church of Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. Brother Colley evidently did a lot of uh, two-part sermons, and that is what we have for this weekend next. The title is, Can a Child of God Fall Away? Let's listen to a sermon from days gone by. Those who serve in this capacity of worship, and of course Brother Pat Phillips always does a great job of selecting the right songs, and he helps us to know how to sing them right, doesn't he? And we appreciate him for that commend him for it. And of course, all of our Bible class teachers who've been teaching this morning, we appreciate you very much. Those who are overseeing the work, those who are laboring in the Lord in any manner here, we want you to know how much we appreciate you. Maybe we do not express that as often as we should. Your faithfulness, though, will help you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as was mentioned in our prayer, we are to study to show ourselves approved under God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, if we don't study, of course, we grow weak just like if we don't eat. If you don't eat, you're going to grow weak physically. And if you do not study, you're going to grow weak spiritually. Now, I know that many of you are very busy these days, but we still need to take time to study, don't we? And of course, in our services, we have that privilege and, and the blessing of being able to study together. And if you cannot study otherwise, be sure and be present for all the services because it will strengthen you and help you to live the Christian life as faithfully as you should. Question before us today, can a child of God fall from grace? Indeed, that's an important question. You don't hear it discussed much these days, but it is important because some children of God are going to fall from grace and they're going to be lost and that's a horrible thought. We do not want them to. It's not that we hope or desire for them to, but because of temptation, because of sin, oftentimes they're overcome and they fall from grace. Of course, being children of God is an important position and we should be so thankful that we can be children of God. He is our father. We are his child. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was not bestowed upon me in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Calvinism answers the question, can a child of God fall from grace? With the answer, no. No, they cannot fall from grace because they're predestined before the world ever began to either be saved or lost. If you're saved, you can't be lost. If you're lost, you can't be saved, so you have no choice. There's just one thing wrong with that. It just ain't so. It never has been true. It never will be true. And as long as people tout it, there are some people who are going to believe it, but it's not according to the Bible. You are going to make a sad mistake if you think that you may be lost and can't be saved. You can be. It's your choice. God has given man free moral agency from the beginning of time. And he still has it. So, though they answer no, it is predestination, they say. 
You're already predestined either to life or to death, but that is not true or else the gospel wouldn't be here. The gospel is the good news that men can obey in order to be saved. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So it's man's choice, isn't it? And when we understand that, it helps us to know why we have a relation with the Father as we do. In Matthew 6, 9, he said, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father who art in heaven, He's our Father, we are His children when we're in Christ. And Galatians 3, 26 through 29 tells us how to become children of God. He says, We're all made the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male nor female, but you're all one man in Christ. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So there are some views along this line. First of all, there's the view of eternal security. In other words, you can't be lost. If you're saved, you can't be lost. You can't fall from grace. That eternal security is there. And then there are those who believe they have no security. Indeed, Hebrews 4.1 says, Let us fear, lest happily a promise being left unto us of entering into his rest, any one of us should seem to come short of it. But so far as that goes, it doesn't mean that we have no security. There are a lot of Christians, though, who really don't feel any security about their soul's salvation. And that's a sad thing. If we cannot know that we're saved, something's wrong with us. Now, of course, if we sin and we won't repent, then we know we're lost. But if we sin and yet we do repent, he said he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, there's two ways then to view this thing, either eternal security or no security, or to have that assurance and security of the faithful. Revelation 2.10, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee the crown of life. Faithful means to be dependable. Faithful means not to falter. Faithful means you keep on keeping on, doesn't it? And be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. So this is an important subject, I believe, because it affects man's thinking, because it has to do with our reactions. You know, if we do not think along this line, it may be that we shall think it's all right to sin. If it couldn't be lost, why not sin? Uh, it doesn't matter what you do, according to this theory. If you're lost, you're lost. And if you're saved, you're saved. And you have eternal security. There are those who say they can commit adultery. They can sin of lying. Or they can steal. Or they can cheat. Or whatever. doesn't make any difference. Because they have eternal security. Well, that's really something we need to study about. There are two reasons for us preaching on this subject. First, to refute error. But you know, for the proof of any point... All scriptures must harmonize, and they must be taken in context. If you take them out of context, as we've said before, you make it a pretext. In other words, it doesn't prove anything. If you twist the scriptures, then as Paul said, you are accursed. Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you would pervert, that's twist or change, the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. So in Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, Now you beware 
That's a warning, isn't it? Beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. 1 John 4, 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but prove the spirits, whether they be of God, for many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, those false prophets have to be met with the truth. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4 and verse 4. So we have to be careful that we harmonize and take in context the scriptures as they are, not remove them from context. And so that was one thing that we wanted to preach on it about. Second of all, to warn God's children and to admonish all to faithfulness, to admonish all to live as they ought to live. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 said, I beseech you, I plead with you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the perfect and acceptable will of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now those who get sidetracked by sin, those who decide that maybe it's not worth it to live the Christian life, it's sad to see the shipwreck of faith. Blessed is the man, says Psalms 1, 1, who walketh not in the counsel of the wicked, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of Jehovah, and upon his law doth he meditate day and night. I think they're suggested there the reason men fall. They don't delight in the will of the Lord as they should. If we delight in the word of the Lord, meditate upon it day and night, we're going to be guarded from sin. For all scripture is inspired of God and it's profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Now, does the Bible teach eternal life? Well, of course it does. And it teaches it in two senses. First of all, in the sense of now. We have it in the sense of now insofar as hope is concerned. You remember, do you not, that Matthew 10, verse 29 and 30, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and for the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold in this life houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Now when is eternal life to come? Many blessings come in this life, but not eternal life. Eternal life is in that world which is to come. So we understand that it is one hundredfold that we can produce, but we don't have eternal life right now. We do have it in hope. Titus 1 and verse 2, there the writer said, In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie uh, promised before times eternal. So indeed, God promised life eternal before times eternal, and we will hope that that point is understood as being future. Hope, Paul said in Romans 8, verse 24, 25, hope that is seen is not hope. For why would a man hope for that which he sees? You see, hope is expectation with desire. And so if you expect it, you desire it, that's hope. 
But if you have no expectation of it, there's no hope there. So here we're going to have in hope eternal life. But we can lose that hope, can't we? Yes, in Hebrews 4.1, as we mentioned, he said, let us fear lest happily a promise of being left unto us of entering into his rest. Any one of us should seem to come short of it. Now, faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if we do not have that evidence, we can lose that hope. In 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12, he said, the witness is this, that God gave unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath the life. He that hath not the Son hath not the life. Now, if we have the Son, it means he's abiding in us. And if we do, then we are assured of eternal life in the future. But if we do not have the Son in our lives, then Second John 9 says, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. But he that abideth in the doctrine, he hath both the Father and the Son. And if any man come unto you and bring not this doctrine, do not invite him into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deed. So we have life in the Son, therefore we have the blessings of eternity before us. For 1 John 2.25 says, this is the promise which he promised us, even life eternal. But now if we don't have that promise in mind, then we don't have it at all. But now we have in hope and in promise eternal life, but not in realization. Then at the end of the world, at the end of all time, in the realization, uh, when we go to heaven, that's going to be the point. Matthew 25, 46, these, the wicked, shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto everlasting or eternal life. So we understand that this is the realization of it. We have it in hope and promise here now, but in realization later in heaven. So, you know, when the Bible speaks of those who are going to inherit heaven, of course, it's talking about those who are obedient in the gospel. It's talking about those who are obedient believers. But now they call some text to say that they believe it teaches this doctrine that people cannot fall from grace. One of those is John 5, 24. There we find him saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth him that sent me hath eternal life and cometh not into judgment, but is passed from death into life. All right, so here we see, He that heareth the word and believeth it, he hath eternal life. It doesn't say he shall receive it, they say, but he hath it now. And yet, they cross Titus 1 and verse 3 or 2 where he says it's in hope of eternal life. But now let's look at that passage just a little bit closer. Dr. A.T. Robinson, Robertson, who was a professor of New Testament interpretation at the Southern Theological Seminary uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, he had a question way back some years ago that said, Dr. Robertson, please give me your construction of John 5, 24. You have been quoted as saying that the sinner has to keep on believing in Christ in order to get eternal life. Thanking you in advance, I'm J.B. Adams, Austin, Texas. Here's Dr. Robinson's reply. A literal translation of John 5, 24 is as follows. Verily, verily, I say unto you that everyone who keeps on hearing my word and keeps on believing uh, hath eternal life and is not coming uh, into judgment, but was as passed uh, out of death into life. Uh, 
Now, Dr. Robertson was a scholar over his denominational thinking because his Baptist doctrine taught that one cannot fall from grace. And yet here, he is teaching that he can. If he doesn't keep on hearing and keep on obeying, he's not going to have eternal life. So also we find here brought out these things in John 6, 47, and again in John 3, 36. John 3, 36, though, is an interesting verse. You see, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath eternal life. But he that obeyeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So faith that moves us to, to do the will of the Lord, believeth on the Son, and we obey the Son. But if he obeys not the Son, he doesn't have life. Well, if a believer cannot become an unbeliever, then vice versa, an unbeliever can't become a believer. If not, why not? But we understand that that is not true. An unbeliever can be become a believer. And the Lord says here, he that obeyeth the Son shall not see life, or he that obeyeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. In Joshua 6, verse 1 through 6, you remember that God promised to give them Jericho. He said, I'm going to give it to you. And he said, when you uh, march around at one time each day for six days, and then on the seventh day you march around it six times, the priests blow on the trumpet, the people shout, the walls are going to fall down, and they did. And so God spoke of it as if it had already happened. I have given unto thee into thy hand Jericho. Now, it was perspective, of course, of them doing what God said, and it was that which was expectation on their part when they blew on the horns and when the people shouted. Now, understanding then that there's conditions on this, we can understand the conditions on salvation. Yes, a man hath eternal life when he walks in the will of the Father, obeying the Son. But he doesn't have life if he will not obey the Son. They sometimes then go to John 10, verse 27 through 29, where it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of, my, out of the Father's hand. Well, that's a very interesting verse, isn't it? And these say, well, they shall not perish, it says here. Neither shall any man pluck them out. So they're twice secure. Number one, they're not perishing. Number two, no man can snatch them out of the hand of God. Well, no man can pluck them out. That's true. Neither can any man put them in. God has to approve them to for, for them to come in. He has to disapprove them for them to go out. And he does both actions. But we must bear the following. That is, verse 27 says, it's conditional on a man hearing and following the condition of safety. So Christians are safe as long as they abide in the word of the Lord. And, of course, the decision is with the child of God. They sometimes go to Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 31 through 39. And there it says, what shall we say then of these things? Well, if God be for us, who can be against us? But he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword, as it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor things that are present, neither height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. They said, see, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We're eternally saved. We don't have to worry about being lost. We can do anything we please, be it sinful or whatever. We're still saved. Well, who or what shall separate us from the love of God? You know, if this were the only thing necessary, we'd all be saved. Because John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God's love is for all sinners, and he would not fail us in that matter. But this is not discussing his love for us. This is showing our love for him. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We can do the separating. You remember Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, don't you? Behold, Jehovah's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities are separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face so that he will not hear. So it's not whether or not God loves us, we know he does. But whether or not we love him may be the separating cause. All right, then again, they turn to 1 Corinthians 3 and read verse 10 through 15. According, uh, Paul said, to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon, for other foundations can no man lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, but because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, uh, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. All right, here they say it doesn't matter what you do now because you're going to be saved. You'll be tried though as by fire, but it's going to be all right. Yeah, you shall be saved. Converts though, here's what Paul's talking about. He said there's some who build on this, those who are like gold or precious stones or silver. They're pure. They're those who are proven when tested. Then there's some like wood, hay, and stubble. They're going to burn easily. And so he said, they'll all be tested. They'll all be tested by fire. And, and those who are not what they ought to be as converts shall be burned up. But he himself, the one who converted them, he's going to be saved. Now that's what Paul is talking about here in context. And so it's not talking about everybody's going to be saved no matter what they do. Not at all. First John 3 and verse 9. We find there the writer saying, Whosoever is begotten of God doeth no sin, because his seed abideth in him. And he cannot sin because he's begotten of God. 
Now, how is it that a man cannot sin? Is it that it's impossible? No. But he cannot sin as long as God's word abides in him. That's the point that is here given. And the answer, how may we know that we're faithful children of God, is that his word abides in us and we continue to live by it. In other words, it is that which directs and guides and governs our life. And if we fail to have that word govern our lives, then we are going to fall. But in 1 John 1, 89, he said, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar and his truth is not in us. But he that confesseth his sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. How wonderful it is to have the blessings of God. In 1 John 2, though, he wasn't denying that men could sin because he said, my little children, these things write unto thee that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, the covering for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Well, can a man sin? Oh, yes, he can. A child of God sin? Oh, absolutely. But can he repent? Yes, he can. And can he turn back to do the right things of the Lord? Absolutely. And when he does repent, of course, the Father forgives, and we are to forgive. In Luke 11, 27, 28, it came to pass that he spoke these things, and a certain woman, a certain woman of the company, lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps that gave thee suck. But he said, Rather, yea, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. They hear the word of God, and they continue to walk in it. Blessed are they. We cannot afford to continue in sin, can we? If we do, we're going to be lost. Yes, a child of God can be lost because he walks not uprightly before the Lord, but in a sinful way before him. In Joshua twenty-four nineteen, Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve Jehovah, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Watch it now. Here's the condition. If ye forego Jerusalem, if ye do not continue in the Lord's will and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you evil. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Now, you cannot serve Jehovah and serve those other gods. In fact, in Genesis Joshua 24, verse 15, he had said, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods that your father served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How sad and tragic it is that there are those who are teaching man cannot fall from grace. And it's on a regular basis, isn't it? It's a shame. It's a disgrace that they have swallowed Calvinism and are following it to their own destruction. And they're going to cause others to be destroyed. Uh, Brother Guy in Woods, who for years spoke here at the first of each year, Brother Guy in Woods made this statement. There are over 2,500 warnings to saints in the scriptures on the possibility of apostasy. 2,500 scriptures that says man can't fall from grace. Now, Brother Woods was a very great scholar. In fact, we might point out that the first sermon ever preached by God to Adam and Eve 
was that they could fall from grace. And in 2 Corinthians 11.3, he said, I fear, lest happily as the serpent beguiled Eve, you might also be won away from the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. Well, I appreciate our study this morning on whether or not these proof texts are there, but I want to prove tonight that we can apostatize and that from the scriptures. So we simply need to understand and study and do what those things are taught in the Bible. Be assured, my friends, that if you continue in the word of God, you can be faithful to the end of your days. If you would hear his word and believe it with all of your heart, repent of the sins of your life, truly turn from those sins, confess the precious name of Christ, be buried with your Lord in baptism, he promises to wash away your sins. And if you will do that, you can arise to walk in a newness of life. Everything will be new. And you will be clean from all your past sins. Then if you fall back into sin, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. So if you need this morning assistance in your obedience to the gospel, your return to faithfulness, we stand ready to do that. God will not chide. God will rejoice over those who turn back to him. And we will too. And if you're subject to the invitation, will you come now while together we stand and while we sing? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Days Gone By podcast on the Scattered Broad Network, brought to you by Ironworks. You can learn more about us at scatteredabroad.org and coming soon to ironworkspress.org, or look up either work on Facebook. We look forward to studying with you again soon.